A new United Nations report warns the impacts of climate change are increasing and inevitable. Experts say that we have until 2030 to avoid catastrophe. Temperatures in the Arctic have warmed about two to three times the global average. It will be very difficult and impossible for our children to control climate change. This is South of Two Degrees, and I am your host, Brian Barnes. It is so good to have you with us today on the only podcast dedicated to bringing unfiltered scientific research to the forefront of the climate conversation. We've got a great wrap-up to an incredible season today. So my friends, once more, into the fray. As noted last week, this is our final episode of the season, but before we look ahead to next year or back on what we've accomplished, we have an important conversation that needs to happen this week. No matter where you live around the globe, we are rapidly approaching the holiday season. Whether you celebrate Christmas or Kwanzaa, Boxing Day or Omisoka, winter break or summer vacation, you are likely going to be spending time with family. And with that time comes conversations about a myriad of things. Some are taboo at the table, others lead up to heated debates, and some end up being just quiet musings. If current studies are correct, it is unlikely, for most of the population anyway, that climate change is one of them. Recent research that we have discussed previously on this show notes that 63% of people rarely to never speak about climate change. Why? Why can we discuss how crazy the wildfires have been this year and the record number of hurricanes or how the crop cycle or rain cycle seems different, but climate change never comes up? Do we really view it as a topic to avoid with friends and family? And if so, what is it that causes us to avoid it? While still using scientific research to back it up, this isn't just me rambling about my own opinion. Well, okay, maybe it is me rambling, but it's not just my own personal opinions. I'm going to give you some pointers on how you can discuss anthropogenic climate change with your friends and family that may not be quite as numb to someone broaching the subject out of nowhere with a smattering of facts like, well, I guess my family is. Now, we covered understanding and breaking down climate denier and delayer arguments back in the third part of our mini-series, What Stands in Our Way, episode 21, I believe. And while it's important to understand that is a roadblock to making progress, that is not what I want to chat about today. Although I highly recommend you go back and do so, as there is a lot of information packed in there. Rather, today we should begin by making sure you know that you aren't alone if you think about climate change. In the United States, 69% of people understand the truth that global warming is occurring, and 64% say that it is either extremely, very, or somewhat important to them. So with nearly 7 in 10 acknowledging it, and at the bare minimum somewhat concerned about it, it's baffling that at least half of them don't talk about it, isn't it? For many, it comes down to politicalization. Now, a study published the 29th of January, 2020, titled Politicalization and Polarization in Climate Change News Content, 1985 to 2017, found some interesting facts. When you look at 1986, whenever an article was written discussing climate change, global warming, etc., scientists were mentioned on average twice per article, and politicians, on average, almost never. Fast forward to 2001-2002. It was here when the mean number of mentions a scientist received were roughly equal to the mean number of mentions a politician received. Since 2006, nearly every major article on anthropogenic climate change, and these folks looked at nearly 62,000 articles, has more mentions of politicians than scientists. 
While a sad statement in its own right, comparing climate change and politics isn't going to help with the conversation. In fact, it will likely make it much worse, even if you find yourself on the same side of the aisle. So how is that, you ask? Well, it's because you have opened the door to a political discussion and not a scientific one. I don't know about you, but while I've had innumerable conversations about science that were co-educational and didn't end with someone venting off on a tangent, unless of course you were my engineering professor back in the 90s that accused me of making up the idea of ion drive engines in a paper I wrote, but that's another story. Rather, what I want to highlight is science can often, not always, be discussed amicably. Yet politics rarely can. As such, it's best to avoid any mention. So how do you do it, knowing full well that there is a good chance that the other person acknowledges climate change and may even be concerned about it? To address that, I'm going to break it down into two parts. Those are conversation constructs and conversation topics. So let's start with the constructs. This comes not from climate science, but from social science and can be applied to nearly any topic. If I were to boil it down, I'd tell you the same thing I used to tell my sales team back when I worked in the private sector. All you have to do is ask the right set of questions to let the other person talk about themselves. That's it. Simple, right? I actually know it's difficult, so let's break it down briefly. And for starters, just make sure you have the other person's attention. Phones, TV, screaming children, all can disrupt the flow. Start by asking permission with a leading question. Like I said, we'll hit topics in a minute, but ask a simple question. Then shut up. Let the other person talk and do not interrupt. Just let them go. Even if there's awkward silence, just write it out. People feel the need to fill silence and often if you just sit there, the other person will usually open up even more. Now, the best strategy lessons you can ever get for this, if you truly want to know, is either to read the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss or, even better yet, take his master class. Chris was the international lead FBI hostage negotiator for five years, and that's not counting as 19 years of hostage negotiating leading up to that. Okay, Brian, what the hell are you combining hostage negotiation and climate change conversations for? As if politics weren't enough, you want to go down this rabbit hole? Well, hostage negotiation is all about talking to people, and Voss's tactics for successful conversations do very much apply here. So after the opening answer to whatever question you ask, you have one of two options. Option A is simple. Just mirror what they say. By that, I mean repeat the last word or two they just said, but with an inflection at the end. Inflection at the end? See, just like that. Then shut up again. I guarantee you they will start talking despite you not asking a real question. When you feel like they have shared their thought, follow up with a phrase like, it feels like, or it seems like. I know for those of you in the business world, you are often taught to say, tell me more, or what I heard was. Do not do this. Why? Because it inserts you into the conversation and the other person will consciously or subconsciously hear you take what they just said and turn it into something about yourself. Instead, use the phrases I just mentioned and say, it feels like you're concerned about or it seems like you're passionate about. Believe me, you will learn so much about where the other person is coming from that when you begin to share, not tell, but share your climate story or your perspective, 
the other person will feel obligated to listen. Now, in hostage negotiations, you aren't going to be sharing information about yourself, so that's where we'll leave Voss's teaching and move on to look at other social sciences. When you have gathered enough information, and you need to feel this out as to if the other person feels like they have shared enough, it's not something I can tell you, then ask permission to share your thoughts. It sounds hokey, I know, but it works and it makes the other person open to listening. Now just rinse and repeat until you're done. At the end, thank the other person for sharing and if it feels right, maybe even mention something you learned from them. Again, this sounds weird to do when you're having a conversation with your best mate or your mother, but it will 100% leave them with the thought that they can talk to you about it again. And that's what we want when we're thinking about anthropogenic climate change. Now on to topics. First and foremost, when it comes to either your initial question or your turn to respond, don't just hit them with doom and gloom facts like polar bears might not be around in 80 years or the Arctic is warming three times faster than the rest of the globe. The goal is not to bombard them with facts to try and scare them into action. Supply positive facts to open up new dialogue or as responses to broaden the conversation. Further, the doom and gloom we so often end up talking about in the scientific community can feel oppressive and overwhelming. A paper published in August of 2020 titled Climate Anxiety, Psychological Responses to Climate Change found that not only the impacts of severe weather events witnessed firsthand can take an emotional toll, but that purely the anxiety of the overwhelming change that anthropogenic climate change will have on our planet is enough to trigger mental distress. As such, it's best to avoid leading with this, despite what you see all around you. Okay, seriously, Brian, what the heck? You're sitting there telling me not to hit someone with facts and talk around the effects of climate change when that's all you do. I mean, seriously, your logo is a polar bear on a fractured and melting piece of sea ice, and you toss out so many facts and figures every week that I have to rewind a third of what you say just to make sure I heard you right. I'll be honest, you have a fair point. However, my part in this play is not the same as yours. The mission of South of Two Degrees from the very inception several years ago back in Melbourne and the goal of this podcast since its launch on Earth Day is not to be just another voice calling to action. The purpose I serve is to make sure that those that want to spread the word have the facts directly from the scientific community and not filtered through the lens of a 200-word editorial. It's to make sure that the policymakers have the right information to make fair, and appropriate laws. And lastly, to encourage those of you listening to have conversations. There is a reason I ask you at the end of every show to tell someone else about this show and to have one conversation in the next week about climate change. It's not about growing an audience that tunes in to listen to me. Rather, it's about growing an audience that listens to you. Now, I know we've digressed a bit here, so back to the topics for your holiday conversations. Climate change will soon, where it hasn't already, impact nearly every facet of our lives. It will affect social justice, taxes, trade, our agricultural system, where we live, where we eat, how we travel, and even our daily routines. City, state, and federal governance will all have to adapt and change. This isn't a doom and gloom story. This is just a fact that the earth is changing. The good news is this provides us a myriad of pathways to discuss climate change without overwhelming or shutting down whomever we are speaking with. For instance, unless you're in Antarctica, there's a good chance COVID will come up. And while it's not the cheery subject you want, 
it provides a great lead-in into public health. I mean, don't you think public health is important? Yes. It sounds like you care a lot about others. Compassion? May I share something with you that I learned the other day? Did you know that we can prevent nearly 90,000 childhood asthma attacks and nearly 3,600 premature deaths over the next decade just by reducing greenhouse gases by 26% in the United States alone? When you hear things like that, it definitely stirs the compassion in me that you just described. See how that feels? You just talked about climate change and the importance of acting without mentioning the words and only making a single statement that the other person was likely very receptive to because you kept it about them and their story. You can do this talking about jobs, agriculture, fire mitigation, you name it. Almost all of the topics we've discussed over the course of the past 28 episodes can be used in broadening that conversation. Look back at your favorite ones and allow them to be a guide as you encourage your friends and your family to share their voice. I can almost guarantee you, you'll be amazed with the conversations you'll have and where those conversations will go. I'll share my own example. I grew up around academia, my mother in the public schools and my father at universities. I was wandering into graduate geology classes when I was four, but let's be clear. I just thought they were cool rocks at the time, and Professor John Comer indulged my inclination to wander, even during his lectures. I mention this because even in my family, climate change wasn't really a discussion point. Everyone was aware of the science, especially as it became more and more apparent through the 90s and the early 2000s but it never really came up. Even when it was a pillar of my congressional campaign, not a lot of conversation. But I'll tell you what, after going out and doing the years of work to get south of two degrees up and running and producing this podcast, suddenly my brother, my parents, my in-laws are all sending me information from scientific reports they're reading and talking about planting trees and composting and the conversations they've had with others. They were never activists or brought it up as a topic of conversation before, but they do now. Not because I ask them to, but because I showed compassion for doing something about anthropogenic climate change and willing to have that conversation with them. Look, I know I mentioned this stat likely more than any other on this show, but the study published in March of 2013 titled Using the Theory of Planned Behavior to Investigate the Determinants of Environmental Behavior Among Youth found that the highest social pressure that influenced action was family and friends. Family 53.8% and friends 41.4%. That means that you, yes, you, can influence nearly half of your main social circle's behavior. That is a powerful thing, and I hope you use me and the information on this show to grow your own audience. And that starts with that one conversation. So I do truly hope you will honor what all of us at South of Two Degrees are trying to do and commit to having at least one conversation about climate change. With that, I'm excited to announce that South of Two Degrees will definitely be back next year, kicking off in mid-January. We have some massive changes coming that I really think you're going to be excited about. So without giving away too much, here's a sneak peek at what we have planned. 
All right, we've got a great guest for you today that I'm so excited to introduce to you. (laughs) That's absolutely mind-boggling. Can you say that again? Okay, so just so I'm clear, the next time I'm on a mountain, I shouldn't drink the glacial water? How do we react to that? How do we make sense out of it? And how do we advance? How do we move, move forward? This is Brian Barnes with South of Two Degrees, coming to you from Berkeley, California. And Sarah, depuis Auckland, Nouvelle-Zélande. As you can tell, we've got some great stuff planned for next year. With that, I want to thank you all for a wonderful inaugural year. From being one of the most trending topics on climate change on LinkedIn with our launch, to breaking the top 10 nature podcasts, sadly, climate change is in the category, in three different countries, including topping off as the number one nature podcast in all of Croatia. Shout out to the great listeners there. We've talked about plastic in the ocean, the melting of Greenland's ice sheet, and the future of polar bears. We broke down regenerative agriculture in a way people could connect with it, making it the most responded to episode of the season, and even launch our own mini-series called What Stands in Our Way, which was the most downloaded episodes of the season. Your support even launched our efforts to bring the amazing work of the scientific community to the world stage, where I had the honor of serving on a climate change panel with five other global experts hosted by the European Commission and the OECD in conjunction with the Government Aftershock Symposium in Berlin, Germany, just earlier this week. All that because of you. So thank you. And on that note, that wraps up the inaugural season of South of Two Degrees. I hope you learned, laughed, and found inspiration in what we you, the listeners, and me, we accomplished this trying and difficult year. Our thoughts go out to all of you over this holiday season, and while we will be back in January, you'll always be able to keep up with us over the break on our website, blog, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And it wouldn't be a show if I didn't ask you to do this for me. Tell one other person about this show in the next week. Have at least one conversation about climate change with someone else. And above all, keep it south of two degrees. (laughs) You know what the heck with it. It's the last show of the season. Let's let the music roll. 